0: You are listening to The Holistic Voice with your hosts, Austin Vitaliano and Jordan Reynolds. Hi, everyone, welcome to episode four, Jordan
1: What's your update? What do you have to talk about with everyone? So this week, I'm really excited. I'm going down to California to my hometown, Fountain Valley. I'm going to be singing with my high school choir, Fountain Valley High School. Um, They do this alumni production every four or five years. So I'll be singing with this small group of alumni. And I'm just really excited to be back there and see old friends and be with my teacher, Kevin Tyson, who was a, a big inspiration for me in learning and pursuing a career in music.
0: It's great. How long are you going to be there for?
1: I'll be there for about a week. So I'll be avoiding Boston, New England weather for a week, which I'm very, very happy about.
0: My gosh, enjoy. I'm so jealous. Uh, The only thing that really was the silver lining other than uh, the the dreary weather was the um, uh, awesome concert that I wanted to tell you about, this Vocal Arts DC concert that I went through the Kennedy Center. Such, such a cool performance. Um, Vocal RCC, it's so cool because it's one of the only organizations that I've found that has a full concert season only devoted to classical voice recitals. So it was really cool. I saw Simon Keenly signed, who is a baritone that I have been inspired by since I actually started singing, and it was, it was a beautiful concert. He sang Brahms, Poulenc, Ravel, Schubert with pianist Malcolm Martineau, both very famous, An amazing opportunity. Had a chance to see him backstage. And he was so down-to-earth, so kind. It just really made my night. Such a great artist and such a great personality. It was so good.
1: That's fantastic. Like, such a cool experience, man.
0: Yeah, it was really cool. A really cool combination. But, um, yeah, getting back to the the episode and why we're really here, um, Jordan, I we we both have some really exciting news to share for our audience right right so we have always been struggling of course as creators we want to have this balance between flexibility to create this content this education for you, our our vocal community, but we also don't want to worry about how that's going to impact us financially. So we have discovered Patreon, which is this membership platform that makes it really easy for Jordan and I to continue making this content and have sustainable income. It's not a new concept. There have been a lot of patrons or sponsors that have created a lot of success for artists to continue their works. Um, Shakespeare with Romeo and Juliet was sponsored by a patron and uh, composers like Mozart and da Vinci all had patrons that allowed them to create uh, the flexibility for their art. And so this site allows you to become a patron or a member as well. So
1: Jordan, what are the, the nuts and bolts? So you sign up for a monthly subscription and that can be our tiers we're still working out, but $2 to, you know, a, a custom amount, however much you want. And it provides, like Austin said, it provides us the flexibility to, to really dedicate the time we need to make this a great product. And also it gives us a, a way to connect to you all on a different level. Uh, because uh, when you sign up on Patreon, we'll be able to offer you um, exclusive content. So that might include more episodes. Um, It'll also include being part of social media, like a closed group where we can do live videos, talk about episodes that happen, talk about future episodes that you want to happen. Lots of really cool stuff. So please be checking that out. The next few weeks, our Patreon site will be up. And I would love you to become a part of this community.
0: Yeah, it's your opportunity to become a patron and a support for us so that we can continue to make this art and information for all of you. So Jordan, jumping right into the episode,
1: I'm so excited. What do you have for us prepared this week? So this week we talked to Chelsea Wilson, who is a Broadway vocal coach. She works on School of Rock, as well as Fan of the Opera, both Andrew Lloyd Webber musicals, but completely different styles. So very excited to share that interview with you guys. We really hope you enjoy it. Thank you so much for joining us today, Chelsea.
2: It's my pleasure.
1: We're extremely excited to have you on the show. Um, tell us about your story. What what brought you to where you are today and what is it you're doing?
2: Oh, great. Yes. Uh, so I live and work in New York City. I am a voice teacher and a vocal coach. I run a private studio of my own students and I also coach on a few Broadway shows. I'm the vocal coach on uh, School of Rock, the musical and Phantom of the Opera. Two very, very different shows, um, and it's been quite a journey to be to be where I am now. I moved to New York six and a half years ago, and uh, my intention was really to, to be an actor and to support myself as an actor. I was going to teach voice lessons. So I guess back up a little bit further, um, when I was a senior in high school, I... I'd been studying with this most phenomenal voice teacher, Jeffrey Skousen, um, in Las Vegas. And uh, at the time, he was with an organization called Speech Level Singing, um, which is a, a contemporary voice technique um, led by Seth Riggs, a celebrity vocal coach. And um, they certified and trained teachers all around the world. And, um, I was like, wow, I I love this. I, I really love this kind of contemporary pedagogy. And this would be awesome if I could teach voice lessons, you know, when I'm older one day. And so I signed up with the program and, uh, went through that training for the next several years in 2014 or 2013. Um, most all of our teachers uh, started a new organization called Institute for Vocal Advancement, uh, and I made that change at that time as well. And um, uh, I'm still pursuing, you know, continuing vocal education through that organization. And now, you know, ten plus years later, I get to do teacher training and um, mentor teachers all around the world with that organization. So. Then, back to moving to New York City um, in two thousand and twelve, I was auditioning and you know pursuing a performance career and a few years into that, I just really found my passion teaching and really found that to be you know what I felt I was called to do and and working with Individuals and getting them from point A to point B to point C was just so exciting and thrilling to be able to bring my expertise and really make a difference in singers' lives. Um, and so uh, that's my full time gig. I'm teaching full time, and again, like I said, with my private studio as well as coaching on on these shows. And it's just it's such a thrill to be on the other side of it um, and to be able to support actors and singers um, and artists on their journey at whatever point they, they are at.
0: Yeah, that, that's wonderful. I'm I'm really curious. What does a day to day look like for you? What what is your uh, description for how you uh, work with other singers and how do you help them? What it, what what would you do in a given even a given week?
2: Um, each week, uh, I'm at the studio. I rent studio space in Midtown Manhattan, and um, I'm at the studio maybe five or even sometimes six days a week, um, and teach afternoons into early evenings. And my private students come in to see me. Um, and again, it's a real range from you know, professional theater artists to aspiring professional theater artists to singer-songwriters um, and total amateur singers just wanting to improve. And um, I guess the, my, my, my goals for all of my students, no matter where they're at on that amateur to professional scale, is that they are able to sing through their whole voice, their whole range with connection and balance. So connection meaning there's no weird flips or breaks, there are certainly transitions, right? We're transitioning from one register to the next, but we want that to be as smooth as possible. And balance, meaning no part of the voice feels more squeezed or more breathy. Um, we're able to find that that balanced, clear sound from bottom to top. And once you know, we can find that balance within one's voice, And then again, it's going to feel and sound different in each different person because we all have our unique instruments. But once we find that balance, we can then lean to, you know, a more belt sound or we can lean towards a more legit sound. But we're trying to find that perfect balance to begin with. Because once you have that, you really can do anything you want stylistically. And that's what's so thrilling about coaching and being a teacher is that you really get to... I get to lead and guide people through that process and help them kind of put together their voice in ways that they haven't experienced it before. The most common thing that I see, especially with musical theater females, um, is that they've treated their voice as two instruments, right? They've got a head voice, and that's where they sing their legit soprano stuff, and they've got their chest voice, and that's where they do their belty musical theater, and never the twain shall meet. And that's really such an issue because in contemporary musical theater and just contemporary music in general, pop, rock, um, you're constantly singing through that middle part of the voice, men and women, right? But you're constantly singing through that first passaggio, second passaggio. Yeah, and it's yeah. crucial that the voice is put together. Without it, you just, you're left with very little options. And so everything that you're doing is a technical necessity and not because you stylistically chose for it to be that way. So I find that being able to help put these put singers voices together and give them more, you know, technique, better technique just means more options for their artistry.
1: Right. Would you say that it's more challenging to help females with that with mix in particular because they have that idea that it's that's so separate, the head voice and the chest voice than if you're working with a male student? Is that is that more challenging or is it just different?
2: You know what? I think it's sometimes I think it's actually more challenging with men hmm. because I think a lot of men have a real preconceived notion of, oh well, my head voice is, I, I'm never going to sing in my head voice, or people who are you know crazy tenors, there that that all sounds like one voice to me, so it must just be bringing up chest voice. So honestly, it's it's i mean i think every individual is different certainly but so many men just think the only way to belt higher is just to drag their chest voice up but this concept of of mix um that's when light bulbs go off when they really understand like oh this isn't what i thought it was so maybe we should talk about what that is
0: (laughs) yeah What is that what does that mean
1: you know the focus of this episode is mixed voice so yes please give us your definition of what a mixed voice is
2: yeah, absolutely. So, um defining what a mix is, to keep it as simple as possible, I define it as the blending of the registers. So I think that most voice professionals can acknowledge the existence of at least two registers, right? Chest voice and head voice. And in female singers, um, a middle register as well.
1: Would you mind demonstrating real quick what what those sound like for our listeners?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. So we're we're acknowledging there's at least two registers. So chest voice, um, that spoken place, ah, ah, that place that, you know, if you've got a a normal, healthy voice is where you're speaking. And head voice, whoo! that lighter um, hootier place um, and in female voices we also have you know more of a middle register um, than men do so we're acknowledging that we've got these different rooms in our voices and um, to to avoid sounding like we're flipping or yodeling our way through, we really have to learn how to blend them. They have to start to blend together. And that's, that's mixing. Um, being able to gradually change or adjust from chest register into head register and keep it as smooth as possible. I also like to think about it sometimes as like two, like a a spectrum of color. Like if chest voice is a deep red and head voice is white, there's every shade of pink in between, right? It's not like a light switch. We're not just all of a sudden, and red and now we're white it's every color of pink in between every shade so we can find that connection ah you know as smooth as possible from bottom to top and back down again
0: so when you're working with your students are you mainly trying to bring especially with the males when they have that uh chest dominated uh issue when they start off singing is your goal more to bring the top down and sort of instead of and, and kind of battle that chest-up issue that they're dealing with? Is that more kind of your approach?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. So I think we do have to acknowledge first of all, that we, we have to sing in multiple registers to begin with, right? Sure. Um, you don't just get to choose one. Women don't just get to sing exclusively in their head voice, and men can't sing exclusively in their chest voice or vice versa. Um, and so I think, again, each individual is different, and everyone comes in to the studio or you know into voice lessons with a certain tendency. And certainly many men, especially musical theater men, tend to sing very heavy. Meaning they're dragging that chest voice up as high as they can. Oh, oh and they tend to go flat on the top. Their vowels get super wide and splatty. They lose a lot of that. The overtones that like ring and ping in the voice just kind of goes away. Um, and so with them, it's about acknowledging, okay, we need to find some stretch in the vocal folds, right? If you think about your voice like a rubber band, which in some ways it kind of is, It's they stretch those vocal folds, stretch and thin as we ascend and pitch. It's the only way we ever get to high notes. Um, and so without that feeling of, okay, stretching, ah, uh, ah. Uh, ah, stretching into some of that head voice experience, um, you know, the range stays very limited because you are only saying in, in chest voice. So for me, um, with a student like that, maybe who's tending to sing quite heavy, it's introducing them to their head voice. Here's what that feels like. Get comfortable with it. Acknowledge that transition. You might flip and crack a ton and, but we've just got to acknowledge, you've got to get from one place to the other. And then we can start to smooth that out. Then we can start to feel that even an easy stretch from chest into, into blending into a bit more head voice.
1: Could you talk about how you help your students find out what what mixed voice is? Like what are a few exercises you use to help them discover that?
2: So for a lot of people trying to find that head voice experience, just asking them to do that really hooty, whoo, whoo. Let's just see what's even there, right? And then in terms of connecting the two, you know, a variety of exercises with a lot of men, I like to do a lot of nasty or pharyngeal sounds keeping it really ugly, really funny that really helps to kind of thin out the vocal folds so that they 're able to stretch up into the top right as opposed to no so you know much heavier on a different on a different vowel. The thing I see especially with women who are coming from a classical background is having them acknowledge their chest voice, having them acknowledge that real spoken place. And, you know, thankfully we all talk all day long. And so most women can, you know, get there by, by encouraging them to work on just kind of spoken, spoken sounds. No, no, no. And then putting that on a five tone. No, 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 no. Mom, 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 mom. Okay. Once you kind of find that chest voice, once you kind of find that feeling, hold on to that let's put it on a longer scale maybe an octave that's going through the passaggio and just feel what it feels like to to start in chest voice and then have to transition out and come back down to it come back down instead of Right. Once you're in that head voice register, we just, we'd love to stay there. So many women would love to stay there, but we've got to acknowledge, we've got to come back down to chest voice. I'd love to hear from you, Jordan. Like what has been your understanding of what mixing is? Like, is that something that like never enters the classical world and it only exists in musical theater or does it only exist for women? Like what's been your experience with that?
1: That's what's so interesting to me is mix is all I've been doing as a tenor, like since I, yeah, you know, we've uh, baritones mix, of course, too, but especially once I started transitioning to tenor, I realized how much head voice I've had to mix into my sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just don't call it mixed voice, really, in classical training. I haven't seen as much. They talk about using head voice and making it heady. But we don't use this term mix that's so prevalent in musical theater instruction. But that's totally what it is. Like if we were (laughs) um, tenors, you know, trying to do stuff with just their chest voice would would not sound very appealing.
2: Yeah, uh, absolutely not. No. Uh,
1: Yeah,
0: I never really thought about that, Jordan. There was just not. Yeah, I really don't hear the word mix a lot uh, classically. It's a really good point.
2: Yeah. And I'd say, you know, especially in working with classical females who come in, they have They have this thing of like, oh, mixing is this whole other technique. And, you know, I really like to explain to my students, like, no... That's just the technique. That just is technique. Technique, good technique, is just the ability is the ability to get through your whole range and blend it in a smooth way. And then there's the stylistic things that we can add on top of that. But it's not like this whole other thing. And, but although I guess sometimes it really is for other people, they've really been exclusively trained. I only use my chest voice or I only use my head voice. And therefore, this idea of one voice is, is so new. I guess often people have understood the term mix as almost like an alternative to belting, right? Again, mix as a term doesn't necessarily exist so much in classical music. Um, But it's a a term we use a lot when we are talking about uh, like a belt kind of a sound. So could I ask again, maybe what does belt mean to you guys? What kind of connotations do you have when you think about belting versus mixing or just belting on its own?
0: Uh, Can I be honest as a naive classical singer? Can I tell you what I think that means? Yeah. Okay. I think belting means uh, stuck. No vibrato, uh, and then maybe a little bit of shimmer at the end. <laughs> okay. And and I know that that's not the truth, and I want to learn what it does mean. Yeah, and Jordan, what would you say about that?
1: I think of it as being more chest dominant. That's what I hear. in, in belting is a more chesty sound than, say, a um a high coloratura soprano riffing in her in her head voice. Yeah. I hear a lot more thyroidenoid work, which is that chest voice.
2: Yeah. Sure. Okay, cool. Awesome. So, I I like to kind of redefine this for my students. It's always so much easier if we're on the same page, right? Um, So old school belting or old school kind of thoughts or notions about what belting is, is to think about, you know, a belt technique. And in the olden days, in the olden days, as early, as recently as like 15, 20 years ago, (laughs) um, that was essentially just dragging your chest voice up as high as you could. Right. And so that's where this gets just this ugly connotation in the, in the vocal community is like, oh, belting so bad for you. Well, yeah, like yelling in your chest voice is very bad for you. But um, musical theater and pop music, the melodies have just gotten so much higher and higher and higher. The demands have gotten so much higher. It's, It's nearly impossible to to stay in your chest voice exclusively, right? So that doesn't work. Um, so I like to define belt as a style that we can that we can layer on top of what we're doing technically. So again, if you're thinking about you found that balance in your voice, you found that perfect mix, you have that perfect blend from bottom to top. Then from there, let's choose to lean into a belt sound. Let's 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 use thicker vocal folds um, and maybe a little bit more compression to get that powerful sound. And that's that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to belt our mix. We're going to belt a blend, as opposed to belting chest voice. And you can really hear this this shift over the years. Um, in like the great musical theater belters, you know a couple examples of chest voice belters—women who just leaned into their chest voices. You know that's Ethel Merman and Patty LaPone a lot of the time, and Idina Menzel. Like she's a pretty chesty belter, you know. Versus Sutton Foster, Cynthia Erivo, Lindsay Mendez, Sherry Renee Scott, Taylor Louderman in currently in Mean Girls. I mean these these women are belting their faces off, but they're belting mixes. You know they're belting a. Blend, they're not belting their chest voice, and the the distinction and the the difference orally is, yeah, I think, immense. You you get all of those overtones, you get all that ring and the ping. It cuts in a way that's so exciting, as opposed to you know stopping two feet in front of them and not carrying over an orchestra. It's such a thrilling sound when when women and, and men are able to lean into their voice, get a little bit more compression in those upper registers of their voice. Um, and it sounds like a belt. I mean, that is that is what they're doing. Right. What do you think about that?
1: I love that. And something that I was just thinking about is how fascinating it is, how sounds change over time. You know, you said it's really like chest dominant belting earlier on maybe, and then went on into this mix. Yeah. And same thing with classical voice. You know, we, we started singing in these... Um, these halls and there, was, there were no microphones. That's why classical voice is produced in a certain way. It's meant to fill a certain space. And now with the you know invention of the microphone and these intimate spaces and the sound systems getting better and better, I feel like a mixed voice makes a lot of sense. You can cover this whole range and sound like one seamless voice and you don't have to worry about getting that huge sound over an orchestra with maybe like belting really low chest chesty stuff yeah
0: and I love that you both talked about kind of the evolution of the musical theater belt because I think especially with the introduction of the of the microphone you're allowed to be more intimate than classical music could ever allow and so the fact that you're talking about how mix Has has really truly defined what this belt means nowadays. You can use those subtleties for because the microphone is there for you. You know that's it's beautiful.
2: Yeah, I mean the first you know Les Mis was one of the first shows that really placed so much music on the female passaggio. You know Eponine and Fantine in those roles in that show, they're just singing right through that passaggio. But they also they had microphones. You know, and then and then Cats you know, cats Betty Buckley singing memory and she's like belting D's like she had microphones and there was such a, you know, that was, those were, that was a real shift in like the mid to late eighties of, of what belting became and what it became in a contemporary sense, because yes, we did have microphones. We, we didn't have to just, just blast chest voice anymore. And we'd really got a lot more interesting and exciting sounds when we were able to get up into that second that next register in the female voice.
1: I don't know if you had a chance to see that Wicked special on NBC recently.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I
1: thought it was fascinating listening to... um Idina Menzel's voice in particular and just some of the differences from when she started on Broadway to, to what she was doing then.
2: Well, what did you hear differently? I'm curious.
1: Yeah, I heard I actually heard a little bit more head voice being mixed in.
2: Yeah, I thought. She, yeah, I kind of agree. I think part of it's like getting older and just realizing like I have to take care of my voice. in different. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know Idina Menzel. I can't speak for her whatsoever. But I think absolutely. I think part of it is just like I can't get away with what I got away with, you know, when I did rent in 1996, you know, it, it's, it has to adjust if you want that longevity.
1: Right. She's being a really conscientious singer. And I'm, I'm really excited to see where that takes her.
2: Yeah. So I think you can, you can call it thin or thick cords, heavy or light chest voice or head voice, but you can call it whatever you want. But once you find that blend from bottom to top, you can choose how much to press in, how much thicker chords you're going to use, or how much you're going to release, how much thinner chords you're going to use, how much more airflow you're going to use. You then get to choose whether you're going to be singing in a belt style or a legit style and mixing is what allows you to find that sound
1: great i would love to ask you um what would you say is different for mix from contemporary musical theater to to more of a rock style and you're teaching at fan of the opera doing vocal coaching for fan of the opera and school of rock i almost say schoolhouse rock every time mm-hmm. um
2: <laughs> <laughs> <Schoolhouse yeah. Rock. laughs>
1: i wish yeah, that'd be fab, fab. yeah um but yeah i'd love to hear um in your opinion how mix changes when you're doing a more of a rock style versus contemporary
2: yeah, so again, I think um, in rock music, whether it's rock styled musical theater or just straight up rock music, all the, the technical principles have got to be the same, right? What what these guys are doing in School of Rock is so vocally demanding; it's really athletic, um, not just you know vocally athletic, but like they're literally you know these lead guys who play the Jack Black character Dewey Finn are running around and running around the stage and climbing onto set pieces and playing guitar all at the same time and jumping off of set pieces. Like it's insane. It's really, it's really a demanding thing. Um, but I work with them, I work with these guys in the same way that I do all of my singers. Again, we've just got to be able to blend. We got to find the middle. We've got to find perfect balance. What does the middle sound like in your voice in this particular instrument? And then we just acknowledge that, okay, when you go out on stage, um, whether that's for your five times a week Broadway performance or whether it's your, you know, I'm playing with my band tonight or I'm recording in the studio today or, you know, whatever the case may be in these kind of rock pop situations, um, we acknowledge like you're going to go out there and you're going to bend the rules. You know, if if perfect balance is 12 o'clock on a clock, you're going to lean to 10 or 9 or 8 or 7, you know, in, in in making extreme sounds. But the fact of the matter is is that we just always need to come back to balance. We have to find balance. Do a little cool down afterwards, you know, making sure you're thoroughly warming up in a in a proper and balanced way before you go out and do that aggressive singing. Yeah, we we have to have that foundation. Um knowing that these extreme styles are going to call for extreme sounds and that's okay you just have to come back to what balances for you
0: yeah it's like vocal pyrotechnics that show is insane
2: yeah it's it's really insane it's really really high the guys um the men are singing right around that second passage that a flat a b flat like incessantly you know just and, and like full you know with an expected what sounds like full chest voice
1: so you would say that they are different the 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 mix for contemporary musical theater and pop but really what you have to do as a singer is find what your balanced voice is in the middle so you can apply that to any situation you end up. Yeah. I would love to talk about one of these extremes. There's, there's a lot of people trying to cross over from classical to more musical theater styles. And, you know, you can end up with an operatic sounding memory from Cats. So I would love to talk about that and just show us some examples of a, a classical singer using mix, but not in a musical theater style. And then getting your opinion on what that singer would need to do in order to just transfer that straight to a contemporary musical theater show.
2: Great. What a fun game
1: yeah (laughs) Lawrence Brownlee is who this is this is taken from his NPR tiny desk concert recording and he does help us out a little in this it's a it's a spiritual that he's singing so it's getting closer to the musical theater style okay so here's the first clip and this is him in complete head voice so we can hear that that difference between his head voice and when he's mixing there's his head voice that's to a c5 and he's about to do some mix action up to a c sharp wow
2: that's a great sound yeah
1: yeah i would love to hear what your thoughts are on what his mix voice sounds like and what he would have to do to make that a more contemporary style? What, what needs to shift?
2: Um, what our good friend Lawrence here is doing is fantastic. And I think it's just about adjusting vowels. So it might not be quite as tall of a sound. It might be instead of thinking of it as an ah vowel, think of it like, uh, you know, in straight tone, finding some, um, just how we're shaping and playing with those vowels. But, it's a really phenomenal blend from bottom to top. That's great.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. And and you kind of have been touching on this this topic of uh vowel modifying versus keeping that you know t- for it to be perceived as vowel integrity. Definitely in classical music, the sound, the integrity of the vowel never stays the same sure. when it goes up past into and past the the passaggio um, for a lot of singers. And so is that something transferable in the music theater, uh, world, uh, for both males and females? And what's your experience with that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you, a great thing that teachers have taught me was, you know, we narrow in the passages and we open in the spaces or, you know, we open in the registers. So, and I, and that really proves to be pretty true. Like if you want to be able to, to get through that passage, you know, passaggio, passage, transition, then you're going to have to, to narrow the vowel somewhat in order to make it through without flipping. Right. Ah, ah, you know, that almost that ah can go to, uh, you know, and then we can open back up to ah on the other side of that transition. Right. Um, so absolutely vowel modification and and adjustments is a huge part of the work that I do with singers because you're exactly right. Honestly, not shifting a vowel as you're ascending in pitch makes the bottom and top match way less as opposed to adjusting the vowel. So in your mind, you're like, oh wait, but it's actually a different vowel on top than it is on bottom, but they end up sounding so much more similar, you know? And so it's just understanding what adjustments need to be made as you go through the different parts of the voice. that's absolutely something that we find in musical theater, whether it's singing legit or belting.
1: Chelsea, can you tell us a little bit about The Balanced Singer, this new project you're working on?
2: Yes, I'm so excited to be bringing uh, a new resource to the world. I'm working with a handful of colleagues of mine. We're creating a company and organization called The Balanced Singer. So right now we are on social media and coming soon will be our website full of online courses, um, recommended instructors, um, voice teachers who specialize in you know, balanced singing um, and mix that you can study with online via Skype or perhaps even in your own city. Um, And yes, online webinars, um, lots of free content, lots of free video tips, lots of motivation and education, lots of free stuff on our social media and um, more in-depth courses and uh, education on our website to come. So you can find us on Instagram. We are at The Balanced Singer. We're launching on December 1st.
0: We will be shouting you out as much as we can on ours as well.
1: Fabulous! <laughs> great. Well, just uh, just a, a last question for you. I would love to know uh, what advice you'd have for aspiring musical theater artists that might be listening in today.
2: What a great question!
1: And what a general question, right? <laughs> <laughs>
2: what a general. What a general question. Um, yeah, I'd just say you know, wherever you end up in whatever stage you're on, that is where you are meant to be. And that is a beautiful place to be. And you can't compare your journey to anybody else's. Um, the the comparison is, is not going to get you anywhere. You're on your own path. You're on your own performance journey. The other advice I'd give is really invest in your education and your training. Um, musical theater uh, and especially a professional career in musical theater is so demanding on your body, on your voice, on your time. You know, it's late nights and early mornings. It's long days of rehearsal. It's, you know, getting in line for auditions at 5 a.m. and being in the cold and, you know, five-hour dance classes. It's, It's really demanding and you really want to be be prepared, prepare your body, prepare your mind for that kind of rigorous environment. Um, And if this is something that you love, then you're going to put that time in. You're going to invest in your training. You're going to invest in your craft and you will see those, those investments pay off. Beautiful. Well, good. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for having me. This was really fun. I love to get to talk about singing. It's my favorite thing to do.
0: Yeah, you're, you're pretty good at it. Things yeah. are pretty good at it. <laughs>
2: oh, and um, if people want to find me, uh, my website is just ChelseaWilsonVocalStudio.com. I teach privately here in New York City um, as well as many clients around the world uh, via Skype. So check me out online. And
1: I have taken, I think, just one or two lessons from you myself, and they were very <laughs> yeah. helpful. So stamp of approval from one of the co-hosts. And I,
0: I think she's great, too. So stamp of approval from the other co-hosts.
2: Thanks, gentlemen. Okay.
1: (laughs) Thanks, Chelsea.
2: Absolutely. Thank you. Bye. Bye.
1: Thanks so much for joining us today on The Holistic Voice. We loved having Chelsea on the show. Please check out The Balanced Singer when it's released. It should be released at the same time as this episode. And please leave us a review on iTunes if you have not yet. And be looking for our Patreon page. It should be coming up real soon. Thanks again, and we will see you next episode. Bye.